I care about that. All right. Endo. Clap sync me, dog. Thank you. Sin, yeah. your turn. Hey, that's a good one. And will it pick up? Nope. Nope. <laughs> what? That's weird. It's fine. I'll just do the old one, two, three. It'll be fine. We're good. <laughs> I am not a crook. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think of is his head in the jar on Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, God I gotta he hops that out series. of the jar and just starts biting Fry on the ankle, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh god welcome everybody to the next episode the latest episode of the Togi's Take podcast your exclusive home for hockey and Futurama fandom we are here today for our final season preview show our division breakdown of the, the pre-season the regular season starts this upcoming week as absurd as that is very excited to see how everything plays out, but we still have to talk about the Pacific before we can get down to business and start enjoying some gosh darn dang hockey. I am joined today by, of course, one Mr. Endo Mills, my new my new sidekick, my partner in crime, and returning to the show. So glad to have him here. Maybe your favorite Sharks fan? He should be. I don't know. You, you got some competition in the Twitter and Twitch YouTube sphere realms. What it can't be a sphere if it's more than one thing. Sin for the win. My broadcast partner, of course, over on NHL Gamer. That's NHLGamer.com. Has joined us here for this breakdown. I'm going to let you two fight over who talks first. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm feeling good. You know, NHL 22 is out. We've been grinding on that. That's feeling great. I'm excited uh, with a young prospect for the first time in a long time as a Sharks fan. So, hey, the season might suck, but at least I have that to hold on to. And Endo? I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm tired. As podcast tradition, I woke up <laughs> 10 minutes before after taking a nap, and I have, I have no coffee. So right now, I am in absolute terror. I'm, t I'm in peril. I might have to call Polina, who's literally right behind me, and just say, hey, can you make me coffee? All right. Well, Endo's on autopilot today. We'll have Sin pick up the slack. It's all well <laughs> and good. Now, admittedly, we don't have too much to talk about in terms of anything else going on around the hockey world aside from this preview. Wanted to touch up uh, upon a couple of things. There are really three main things of note going on right now uh, in the hockey world. Uh, the first is a bit of good news. Now, I am a, a noted Boston Bruins fan. I will allow you your time to boo and to jeer and to throw something at my head. Uh, Willie O'Ree, who was the NHL's first black player, uh, has received unanimous support from the U.S. Senate to be awarded the Congressional Gold Medal. This man is 85 years old. He will be 86 this month, I do believe, the Bruins are finally retiring his number. They were supposed to do it at the beginning of this year. They postponed it to January, I think, 18th of 2022. And it, again, represents a small step of celebrating someone who should have been celebrated to this extent a long, long time ago. Um, but Willie O'Ree, man. Goddamn living legend. 
and it'll be it'll be nice. I'm really looking forward to January. It's it's one of the things that, in terms of like the upcoming season, right? And I think all three of us can agree. Like, there's a lot of things to look forward to. Really, no matter kind of what you like out of hockey, uh, the fact that the Olympics are coming up uh, this winter is fantastic. The Seattle Kraken are in the league. Uh, Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson are going to murder each other's faces if that's what you're into. There's something for everybody this year. Henrik Lundqvist is getting his number retired. There's going to be a lot of damn good moments in this upcoming season. The excitement of like hockey being on ESPN and, and TNT in the States. Uh, but this Willie O'Ree retirement ceremony, and hopefully again him uh, getting this gold medal and being, again, properly celebrated. It's It's definitely up there for me. Yeah, and also just after what we've gone through in the last two NHL seasons, just getting back into a hockey arena as well just kind of adds to all of the hype, I think. And, you know, it's kind of been a tough couple of years, players, fans, families, everything like that. So, I mean, just to kind of that semblance of getting back to, you know, some form of, uh, you know, a bridge or slight normalcy, you know, getting back towards what we had before is also just going to make this uh, NHL season hopefully a lot more special. And yeah, I, for, I looked at the NHL schedule and I saw that two week break and I, was, I got reminded, I'm like, yes, Olympics back uh, for hockey. It's just so exciting to see these guys compete on the world stage. And yeah, Endo's I'm a Leafs very... fan. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's really funny. Uh, the Leafs and uh, Senators and Raptors just announced that they're going to have full capacity for mm -hmm. games again. Yeah, uh, that's going to be great to see. Uh, I have, I actually have uh, season tickets for the Marlies, so I'll be able to mm. see those games as well. So it's perfect. I'm glad that everything's kind of going back to like a like a new normal per se. Uh, I think we're like a few years, uh, like another year away from everything going back the way it was. But I'm glad that. Uh, the players can have fans in the stands, and it's going to bring back a dynamic, I think, that hockey's missed for the past two years. Now, in terms of a specific fan base that is celebrating today, we do have to bring up the fact that I don't want to say for once, but it feels like for once the Florida Panthers have gotten this gigantic W under their belts. Uh, they have re-signed Sasha Barkov. He's got one year left on his deal, so it is an eight-year extension starting next year. Worth $10 million a season. He just turned 26 years old. We were talking about this deal a little bit before we started recording today. This is a gigantic W. It is. And, you, you know, you talk about what this deal will become, right? We all thought, oh, well, the cap's going to keep going up. We will eventually, throughout the duration of that contract, get to the point where $10 million for a legitimate high-end number one center in the NHL, that's that's going to be an absolute steal. So a, a gigantic victory for the Florida Panthers today. Yeah, especially as it's just going to be prime Barkoff. I mean, the years mm. that I consider, you know, NHL prime is about that 25, 26 to that 33, 34 range when the decline maybe starts to happen. It's different for all players, but I don't really see Barkoff as having that kind of game where it's like ultra-physical, maybe starts dropping off 31, 32. I mean, he's a exceptionally good player and, and and a complete underrated force because of you know the market he's in great defensively although some of the analytics don't exactly show that i also think that's maybe a symptom of the game that kind of florida plays mm. but yeah he's just an unreal player for them yeah and it's good like you said for florida to get that w and it's going to be good for them in all in all facets for their you know product on the ice for hopefully continuing to build that fan base sell more jerseys keep them you know 
in a good spot because, you know, them and Tampa are now going to have a kind of legitimate interstate rivalry. And I don't know if you guys saw, and I'll give you a chance to, to speak on this if you have anything to add, but uh, Tampa and Florida played a preseason game, and it went exactly like their playoff game went. Like, there yeah. was so much physicality. That is one of the more exciting rivalries in the NHL right now, easily. Definitely. I think it's definitely big for Florida. I think they're finally rallying around uh, their team and I think the fan base definitely needs uh, a big push like this by signing Barkov. And the only other thing that we have to note today uh, is a topic that we, we can't really discuss because it, it wouldn't be appropriate to do so. Um, the word came out that Carey Price has taken a leave from the Canadians uh, while entering the player assistance program, which can, of course, mean a number of different things. It is a natural thing, I think, for someone to be intrigued to want to know what is going on. At the end of the day, though, uh, this represents somebody who, for one reason or another, realizes that they're not where they want to be and they're looking to better themselves. And that was what Paul Maurice was essentially quoted in saying, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. And I'll read what he said here and we'll kind of leave it. At that, and of course, I'll speak for all three of us, our best wishes to Carey Price. Like, the the idea of, you know, what some people labeled me, like, I, I feel like in good fun, but some people I think legitimately think that I hate Carey Price, like, whether as a Bruins fan or for whatever reason, that's all a meme. At the end of the day, he is one of the nicest people in this league. Like, you can tell this is a genuine good dude. Uh, Paul Marie said this. I'm almost always happy to hear that, uh, meaning that someone, you know, got help with the uh, player assistance program for a couple of different reasons. And one is, and whatever the challenge, and I'm not speaking specific to Carey Price because I've had players who have gone into the program, those are real challenges. It has nothing to do with your bank accounts. Those are real challenges. And the day they go in is the first chance to get help, and that's a really, really good thing. And then, if we do this right as a society, I believe the kid that's got the Carey Price jersey, who's 12, isn't going to look at Carey Price as a bad guy. It's that he's a courageous guy, and for himself and his family, he went and got help. So that's our responsibility now, that Carey Price is looked at as a courageous leader. He's got a challenge that he's dealing with, and because of what he does for a living, it's public. So maybe the kid with the Carey Price jersey, we want him wearing it the next day. That's the goal. So it's not bad, it's not a stigma, and I'm happy he's getting help. I'm sorry he needed it, but I'm really happy he's getting help. Paul Maurice, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a statement that hits the nail on the head more than that. It's it's just a great statement, especially coming from someone, a uh, coach of not even the same uh, franchise. It's just good to kind of see the NHL sort of rally around that. And even from a real world setting, that's a great example, especially for young boys, young men out there who oftentimes are told you can't really show that side to you. You can't show that weakness. You battle through on your own. But to actively seek help, especially as a public figure, is just massive no matter what. So. You know, yeah, like you said, you know, we wish him the best, his family the best, and everyone involved the best. Absolutely. So with that, gentlemen, uh, one thing that one thing we weren't going to, uh, I mean, we, we could get into it as well. As Sin mentioned, NHL 22 uh, came out. And of course, uh, you can catch Sin on the YouTube side of things, on the Twitch side of things. Uh, Sin, that would, of course, be CYNFTW Productions. Make sure to check him out out as well 
carrying that franchise banner alongside myself. As it turns out, who would have thought, Sin? Uh, multiple people would rely on a Seattle Kraken franchise. <laughs> I mean, it kind of made sense. Like, when I think back, I was just like, of course everyone's going to do it. But I saw multiple people doing it like last year with a custom team. I'm like, all right, maybe it won't be as saturated, mm-hmm. but it's relatively saturated. But, you know, we all have our own styles and stuff. In yeah. the day, it, it ain't the team you do. It's the creator doing it, at least if you're a strong creator. So, you know. We'll see. We'll see who gets the most cups. Now it's a competition. Absolutely. Our buddy uh, (laughs) Tactics as well, also doing a franchise mode with Seattle. I'll I'll speak for me. It was a matter of uh, the the NHL 21 roster issues that I had. I I ran with those, you know, not necessarily more realistic modes. So I burned out on them. It's like, well, what can I do? What's a team where I don't really have to worry that EA's rosters are bad? I'll pick Seattle. When I wasn't going to, I said I was going to hold off. And then, yeah, the, the same day I post, it's like, hey, a thousand people are doing it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, hey, make sure to check out Sin as well. As he mentioned, NHL 22 is out, if you somehow haven't heard. Uh, but again, um, the EA Play Access trial, 10 hours is there. You get that with uh, Game Pass Ultimate on Xbox as well. Uh, check it out. It's, it's I'd say, ar- arguably a more divisive game than it's been in a long, long time. And yeah. I think even the people uh, that have had a lot of negative things to say about the franchise in general as of late, justified in a lot of cases, um, even even then, they have to dip their toe into the pool and see if uh, the temperature of the water is right for them. So it's worth checking out at this stage. I'll say that. Gentlemen, with that, Shall we get into our preview here of the Pacific Division, a Pacific near a Pacific Division near and dear to Sin's heart, of course. And you asked me before we started recording, where are the Sharks? Are oh they in last? Are they the eighth team out of eighth? And uh, the answer to that is no. They're not. Whoa. You're safe. Okay. Huh, I'm trying to think of who might be below them, because you could arguably put them there, and I, you, you, you would have a strong point after the last couple of years. There is a potential argument, I'll give you that, but there is one team for me that was, uh, what would be the opposite of head and shoulders above? <laughs> How would you describe that to say uh, that they're heels below? Heels and ankles below? Knees <laughs> and toes below, there you go. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Oh, God. Well, I don't know if they have toes because they got some webbed feet. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> I'm, you know, let, let's let's talk about the, the Anaheim. Anaheim Zegris. Oh, the Anaheim Zegris, yes. Let's Zegris talk about. The funky Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> like Marky Mark. There you go. Yeah. In Ow! talking about this Ducks team, in terms of additions, uh, guys, they, they didn't do much. Unless your idea is uh, Danny O'Regan, Greg Patteron, or Buddy Robinson, Funny. they've pretty much built from within. Uh, at the same time, they lost Hayden Flurry to Seattle. Of course, Ryan Miller retired at the end of last year. Danton Heinen went to Pittsburgh. David Backus retired. There's, there, there's, there's just, there's not much there, right? They stayed the course with their rebuild. So as we've been doing with these previews, I want to talk about kind of uh, section by section. We'll start off with their offense. Now, in, in terms of describing this, n- number one, I have it as the worst offense in the division. And, and I started off my little section of notes here by saying, yikes, Jesse Yikes. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have Ryan Getzloff and Jakob Silverberg, uh, who are still fine. Uh, Adam Henrique, despite the fact they put him on waivers like 17 times last year to get up from underneath that contract, I think he's still decent. Uh, and then you got all of the young guys. Troy Terry, Max Comtois, Trevor Zegras, Max Jones, Isaac Lundstrom, Sam Steele. And aside from that, you get, and I'm going to get some ridiculous hate on Twitch. You guys know from who. They have Derek Grant, who, yeah, <laughs> I think is the best. I, I get it. I get it. But uh, Nick Delorier. And then Ricard Raquel, who looks like he's cooked and is in desperate yeah. need of a bounce back season. Like, I don't see how anybody could rate this offense highly. Like, I like the young guys. I do think Trevor Zegers could very much be in contention for rookie of the year. He's got a lot of competition there, not just from someone like Cole Caulfield in Montreal, but uh, one of the words this week was that Alex Nadelkovich is still going to be considered a rookie this year. It's going to be very tough for Trevor Zegers uh, to win the Calder. start? Uh, apparently he didn't start enough. I'm pretty sure it was Nadelkovich huh. that maintained rookie status. Uh, was the word? Was the word there? Yeah. This this offense. A- any comments, gentlemen, or are we just going to leave it at the words yeah. uh, concerning? <laughs> it's extremely concerning. Zegris, however, is a wild card. He in, in the kind of rookie showdowns and when they when they you know how you have the uh, before the preseason, a lot of teams have their fit their prospects against each other. Pacific Division did that. He was head and shoulders better than kind of anyone on the ice when I saw him play uh, against the Sharks. So, I mean, he's definitely an NHL legit guy. The fact is, he's not going to be able to carry that team. That's We all know that's Gibson's job, and he <laughs> carries that team somehow to wins after, you know, two to one wins again and again and again. So, it's, yeah, it's, they need a lot of help on the front end. But respect to them for kind of not getting antsy and moving away from what they're trying to do, which is an internal rebuild. And they've drafted pretty well so far. Hopefully it does work out for them and uh, things develop properly. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Zegers just dominated. Uh, he, he definitely looks like way above everybody else. And I definitely would want to see how he does this season. Uh, I do feel for John Gibson. I, I want to relate this to kind of like a carry price situation where he kind of is like the backbone and like the, the foundation of that team. And I hope that, um, God, I hope he doesn't get hurt this year from playing too many many minutes. Well, I think possibility. The big issue, we'll talk about the defense first, and it is arguably the biggest issue. Uh, Their defense, I have towards the bottom three, maybe four at best in this division. And it might be the bright spot of their team. It might be. I mean, you have Lindholm, who's still really good. Shattenkirk and Fowler are solid, but then you have Josh Manson, who isn't what he used to be. You have Jacob Larson, who's never really gotten it done at the NHL level. I I have yet to meet a Ducks fan that really thinks he's an answer on defense for them. And then another X factor uh, in Jamie Drysdale. Very promising future, much like Zegers, but it is still very much unproven at the NHL level. And we, we can mix that into talking about the goaltending as well, because John Gibson is the guy on this team where it's the question and how you answer it of, is he not what he used to be, or is he a product of a bad team, or somewhere in between. I'm not as high on him as I used to be. And then you have Anthony Stolarz as their backup, who's shown some flashes, but he's never really had consistency at the NHL level either. 
I I can't help but have Anaheim at the bottom of this at the bottom of this division as a result of those factors. It's definitely a good, a good point. And, you know, there's just too many wild cards. Like, there's so many what ifs, oh, maybes, and stuff like that. And that's kind of what they're built on. I think they need, and I know Gibson's got at least five or six years on his deal, but they should really shop Gibson because, like you said, he may be falling off. Yeah, maybe it's also product of, of his environment, but he's not going to get a whole lot of help, at least for this next year. Maybe two. Anaheim should really be trying to kind of sell high on, on Gibson. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there who could use a number one like like Gibson with some of the numbers he's put up. Like I said, it's it's kind of ridiculous. He still has a lot of that elite tendency. Yeah, the question is, is he falling off? Goaltenders are weird like that. And when you have them to long-term deals, it could spell trouble. Now, that might just be my own trauma speaking, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it the goalies can fall off quickly and you don't know why sometimes. And then all of a sudden, they're just nothing. Yeah, that's that's spot on with goaltenders. Um, it's one one year you're good, one year you're bad. You might you're not sure if it's an equipment change or if it's just uh, just how it is up for the one year. Your body's wearing down, and that's that's how the cookie crumbles. So Anaheim, I think fairly and by most accounts, projected to be at the bottom of this Pacific Division in this upcoming season. That brings me to the team that I have in seventh, and uh, there there might be some disagreements here. Don't worry, we're getting to some hot takes. Uh, and this could be considered a hot take because in seventh I have the Calgary Flames. Allow me to explain. And at first, uh, we'll do so by again talking about moves that they have made this offseason in terms of additions. Uh, well, I mean, there was the, the whole Tyler Pitlick uh, acquisition after he was taken by Seattle. It was an interesting one. Uh, Trevor Lewis, Stan Vladar, the big one being Blake Coleman. They also added Nikita Zadorov, uh, Brad Richardson, er- Eric Goodbranson. Eric Goodbranson. Uh, and in terms of departures, Mark Giordano to Seattle, uh, Josh Levo, Derek Ryan, couple of other pieces there as well i will say the bright spot of this team is the offense i think you could consider it potentially a top three offense in this division depending on how you rate the core and it is another go around for the core right like i like johnny goodrow i like matthew kachuk i like andrew mangiapani i like elias lindholm and adding blake coleman to that it's a really good you know big five to kind of build around offensively and if Sean Monahan and uh, Backlund can re- you know, rediscover their best form, you're looking that much better. If Dylan Dubay takes a big step forward, you're looking that much better. But then you get to the bottom six, and it's Lucic, Pitlick, Richardson, Lewis, and Brett Ritchie. Are they physical? Sure. Does it fit the coaching style? Yeah. But will it be good? Don't know if I'm willing to bank on that. Yeah, and another thing is their offense is great, but they got Daryl Sutter as a coach. Is he gonna let that offense fly? So I mean, I now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of agree with them being sort of towards the bottom. I, I know you're. We'll probably all get a lot of hate for it, but I mean, Daryl Sutter's just that old school coach where it's just like defense, defense, defense. He's kind of still, in my opinion, stuck in like the '90s, early 2000s before that lockout, uh, that sort of mentality and. 
I don't I just don't think they they have the tools for that necessary. And if they start kind of trying to build in that direction, it can really set them back. And that's tough for Calgary, who has been a team that's seemingly been on the brink and getting close and then just to kind of have a setback with that. I don't know what's up with the Canadian teams, but they just always seem to get close and then have some like monumental collapse and setback. Uh, and then just kind of, you know, fall off the rails again. But and okay, yeah. have a comment on that. Oh, yeah. As the, uh, the token Canadian in the room. Uh, I think the I don't even know. It's it's so weird because we do good. And then just right when we're, we're supposed to like just capitalize, we just we just don't even just show up, I think. Yeah. Uh, like, especially with Calgary, who's like been there. They've been like a team for a couple of years now where they've been saying they have the pieces to go and to execute and then just it just falls like flat on their face yeah. i don't have any way to explain it i have no way to understand how it is it's that's just hockey i guess yeah is this finally the make or break point and how long is this conversation going to go on about okay if it doesn't work out this year does goodrow get traded does monahan get traded does kachuk get traded like how long can that conversation possibly go on? Because they could make the playoffs this year. And don't get me wrong. Aside from Anaheim, I think they're every single team in this division. There is an argument that they can make the playoffs because of, I don't want to say how weak the division is on paper, but kind of. It's a toss-up. I don't know, man. I, you could argue it was already a mistake to have not kind of moved on from this core if they fall short now, then man, I, I just the it just sucks for Flames fans that those questions are constantly uh kind of hovering above that fan base's heads of like, okay, when's when's the shoe gonna drop? Like is this team gonna figure it out or have we already missed the right window to kind of blow it up? It's just not 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 the most fun place to be entering a new season from, right. if uh if that makes sense. Yeah, tough, tough situation. I mean, I think they will. I think Monahan would be the first to go, simply because of kind of what he like his play style. His decline has been kind of so fierce. Uh, Goodrow, on the other hand, I think he's the guy who asks to leave. Um, and Kachuk, I think they want to hold on to him for however long they can. But I mean, all the young players now they're they're really trying to take the power back with their RFA uh, type deal, like their deals, you know, going in those RFAs and stuff like that. You know, more power to them, and you know. I, I just don't know. It, it's so hard to judge because it's like it almost feels like these Canadian teams feel like they have to rush everything, whether it's due to media pressure or fan pressure something. It almost feels like they try to rush it every single time and then something bad happens. Then you have Toronto, who seemingly didn't really rush it. They did everything right, but then they kind of, you know, fall flat and Montreal has a weird Cinderella run. And then they completely sabotage themselves in the offseason with some stupidity. And, well, I'm sure you've already talked about that. <laughs> I mean, hey, any thoughts on any other teams <sighs> from other divisions, feel free to chime in. I'm more than fine with that. I will note, though, uh, Johnny Goodrow is a UFA at the end of this year. And Matthew oh, Kachuk yeah. is an RFA. So we might finally be getting our answer on the future of the Calgary Flames. Now, that was just speaking to their offense. Their defense, I have middle of the road, like five out of, you know, fifth out of the eight teams. I really like Chris Tanev. Like, I am surprised and impressed that he's done so well since leaving Vancouver, especially in terms of staying healthy, because that was the huge concern. It's like, man, this guy can't come anywhere close to playing a full season at this stage. You have Noah Hannafin still, who's solid. 
elephant in the room, of course. He's not Dougie Hamilton. And then from there, you have like Rasmus Anderson and Yusuf Alamaki, who I think both still have uh, a bit to prove at this stage. I mean, Anderson has that. I mean, right now, yeah, it's five years at four five five a season, which that's kind of a deal you got to hope that he grows into a little bit. And then yeah. from there, uh, boys, their last two defenders are Nikita Zadorov and Erica Branson. Good Branson reminds me of Galchenyuk in the way that teams continue to be like, ah, we can we can bring him back. We can we can make Good Branson great again. We can we can we can save his career. Like he is always like a former like was he like fifth overall or something crazy back in the day? Like I can't remember where Good Branson was taken, but he was like an early first draft pick, and it's just one of those situations where teams continue to think they could they could get him back. I just don't think he has it. He can't really skate. Yeah, he's got physicality, but so Sutter loves him, but he's going to play. I just, will he keep he, up in today's NHL? He was third overall in 2010. Oh, good God. It oh. was Hall, Sagan, Goodbranson. <laughs> oh, God. Who came after? Uh, Ryan Johansson it? for Columbus. Okay. Yeah. Niederreiter for the Islanders. Which, yeah, who remembers that Nino Niederreiter was drafted by the Islanders? Uh, Brett, I don't. Brett wow. Connolly to was Tampa. He? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Brett Connolly to Tampa at six. Jeff Skinner was seventh to Carolina. Alex Bermistroff, eighth to Atlanta. Kale Granlin at nine. And Dylan McElrath at ten for the Oof. 2010 entry draft. Talk about hits and misses. Uh, worth yeah. noting, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko went 16th. Evgeny mm-hmm. Kuznetsov went 26th. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's one other big name that went late in this draft. Oh, yeah, John Klingberg went in the fifth round. Jeez, of that geez. draft. Mark Stone went in the sixth round, 170th overall. And some goalie named Freddie Anderson was a seventh round pick that year. Damn. Yeah, that's that's I'd say that's a pretty interesting draft class where they were so and they're still figuring out, oh, well, we'll get this big old tough defenseman. He'll be fine, right? <laughs> and then it didn't really work. As people say he caught on just at the tail end of an era. He was drafted yeah. ten years earlier, he'd be hailed like Chris Pronker. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love what you say, the good Branson, though. The first thing is like, oh, people try to rebuild them. It made me think of like the million dollar man. We can rebuild them. We have <laughs> <Yeah>. the money. <laughs> yeah. We the 1.9 million dollar man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the controversy, uh, controversy, the controversy for the Flames, uh, for me at least, this is, this is my hot take. I own this hot take. I. I have them with potentially the worst goaltending duo in the division. I, I'm i not sold on Jake Markstrom. I'm not. And again, he's another one of those players I test base numbers versus analytics and what you side on. I'm worried about Jake Markstrom. And while I adore him, he is a former Bruin, Dan Vladar is completely unproven at the NHL level aside from a few games last year and I think you get to look at other goaltending duos in the league and that is kind of what I based it on I mean definitely if you have a great starter you're going to rank higher for me but you know it helps to have two solid goaltenders as well with how I choose to look at teams and uh yeah Calgary starts off really strong with the offense the defense drops down that rating and man I'm just I'm not sure at all about that goaltending Flames fans I'm sorry 
Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, even Markstrom, he had, you know, he's great in Canucks for that year or two that he was and then didn't do so hot in Calgary. And you got him to that long term height, uh, kind of high. Pro- was, is he making like six per or something like that? I think I think it, yeah, uh, I think it is six mil. I can. Uh, that's pretty expensive for a goaltender, especially with that kind of term. I mean, if he's elite, yeah, sure. But when you get a guy like that in free agents, it's just so risky with those goaltenders. I mean, again, back on the goaltenders are weird, which we all know. But, yeah, it's just maybe he bounces back and goes crazy. But as you said, it's hard to kind of imagine that because it's what have you done for me lately? And Markstrom wasn't really who he was in Vancouver for Calgary, which was a big letdown as he was like their big fish really in free agency. Six million uh, for the next five years yeah. would be the, the yeah. deal for Markstrom, yeah. which – if he plays to the best of his ability, that's a fantastic deal. Markstrom, it could be another idea of, you know, not that Calgary is a bad team, but is he declining in some ways yeah. or is he being dragged down a little bit? It's That's the thing. Like, and I always say that. like Players like him, players like Seth Jones, where the analytics side of things might not be completely in their favor, it doesn't mean that they're gonna that they're guaranteed to be just awful in the upcoming season. You know, they could easily easily uh, prove to be what uh, their reputation often says that they are. So, Calgary Flames, have them in seventh. Boys, anything else to add? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, you, you guys covered it, like, right on the head. Are we ready for my biggest hot take? Yes. It's sin ready. <laughs> I have a thing. feeling. I have a feeling it's not good. I think it's going to be the Kings here. That's That's my guess. I think he's, for some reason, got the Kings at six. I would bet money that this team's going to make the playoffs. Okay. But I still have them in this spot. The Edmonton Oilers. Oh, damn. That's, I mean, sort of fair, but also McDavid Dreisaitl. They're going to they're gonna drag that team kicking and screaming. But oh, to rank hmm. them there is, is accurate to what the rest of their team is. Yes. And I can't disagree. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for understanding that because I have the Oilers with the top offense in the division. Obviously, it is McDavid. It is Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins. You add Zach Hyman. Sorry, Endo. Uh, Yessi Pugliarvi <laughs> looked good at times last year. Yeah. Derek Ryan in his role can be solid. You know, and guys like that being added to the team, like Hyman and, and Derek Ryan, it allows guys like Yamamoto to continue to develop. Gives Warren Fogle a little bit more time to develop to his new surroundings after they picked him up for uh, Carolina. Uh, it takes responsibility off of Zach Cassian. Zach Cassian, uh, who thankfully I think is okay after an incident in the preseason, um, you know, it allows someone like Zach Cassian to not have to be like this top six uh, producer for them. He can just do what he does, and there's not so much pressure on him. So I think that's going to help a lot. The only real question mark are guys that are going to like fill out the bottom six, like Brendan Perlini, Devin Shore, and Kyle Turris. But they're so top-heavy. They easily have the best offense in the division. I'll allow, you know, thoughts on that first part of the team before we get to the obvious reason as to why I have them ranked so lowly. But again, I completely agree with Sin. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but they are going to do it because McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to somehow do the impossible and drag that team to the playoffs that shouldn't be a playoff team. And if they don't, it's not really all that surprising to me. But the offense first. Yeah, I like the point that you brought up about Cassian because oftentimes he's had to play in that role where he's not, 
I mean, he's just not equipped for it. He he can do it, and when you're playing with McDavid or, or Drysaddle, you know, you look better. Um, I think back to I can't remember what year it was, what the series when when we when, when when the Sharks played the Oilers in the playoffs, and the Oilers won that when they went on that again kind of magical run, and then started sucking again. Uh, Cassian was a monster in the playoffs. Like he's built for that kind of hockey, but you can't really rely on him in an 82 game stretch to be able to fill into that top line. Can he play up there? Sure. Anyone really can when McDavid's on the ice. Um, but it's, you don't want to have to rely on him because he'll, he'll be a, you know, uh, kind of streaky and in, in the way he gets goals, that's just the nature of being a role player in that higher role. It's like, yeah, some days you're going to have it. Other times you're not. Cause you just don't have that same skill st- skill set. It'll be very matchup dependent. Um, but yeah, I do like the point. Fogel is an interesting pickup. Um, I'm not super high on him. It could work. It could be it could be Patrick Maroon next to McDavid. Who the heck knows? But again, it's it's can be so difficult to judge the players around you when you have a generational talent on your team. Anything to add there, Endo Mills? <laughs> uh, no. I, <laughs> man's man's I taking a nap. Like, yeah, I don't want to be like that guy who's just like, sorry, I just got a, I just got a message. Trying to, trying to order coffee so I can save my ass here. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's that's what it is. You, you have these two guys uh, who basically are like the cornerstone of the franchise. And I, I don't know if, like, obviously Zach Hyman's are the help out the team and everything. I don't know if it's going to be enough again. They these guys can do everything, but the minute one of them goes down, you your your part of the wall goes down a little bit. And I think if if they do stay healthy, which they if they have a track record of being healthy, it, they'll be fine, but if anything happens, then it's going to be a very long season for Edmonton Oilers fans. Yeah, I will kind of add if they find a way for the whole season to have McDavid and Drysaddle playing on opposite lines, five on five to drive their own lines. Like if Fogel works out, if Pugliarvi's ready, uh, stuff like that, like they it will benefit them a lot because oftentimes they have to go back to the well. Well, nothing's working. Let's put McDavid Drysaddle together again and they'll go off and win us a bunch of games. So if they can figure out a way where they are their one, two, their one, a one B down the middle. I mean, they will be, they'll be fierce. So we get to this defense, which I have, uh, you know, I, I said the offense looks strong, and the defense uh, does not. And it's probably, my opinion on paper, the worst defense in this division. Darnanos puts up points. Tyson Berry puts up points. I do not trust either of them defensively. To the point yeah. where you could argue that their struggles uh, defensively almost offset what they provide offensively. Because, cool, you're putting up points... But the team is a lot more likely to also surrender goals when they're on the ice. I will not put any stock into Cody Cece because he had one good year in Pittsburgh. I will not bet on Duncan Keith turning back the clock, no matter how good and strong his immune system is. Um, I won't bet on Chris Russell. But hey, at least Evan Bouchard might keep getting better. Like, I- I'm sorry. Again, if you... If you really put stock in like Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry, especially Darnell Nurse uh, as one of those players, maybe the analytics, uh, at least the you know defensive side of the analytics for him, don't paint the prettiest picture. But you're like, ah, I've seen him play the eye test. I don't think he's that bad. Then that's all well and good. This this Oilers defense, though, I'd be scared to death if I was an Oilers fan because I feel like you're going to have to win a lot of games by scoring four or more goals. 
Yeah, uh, that might be what it comes down to. I do think Nurse, uh, with the analytics, they're semi-accurate. I do think he's a bit better. I also think he's a bit of a product of the rest of the, the team and who he gets paired with and stuff like that. I will see maybe he's a bit better uh, than he seems. But also, if it, when it comes to Oilers fans who think he's a defensive god, it's because he's got a physical side to him. Oftentimes, when it comes to those guys who rely on the eye test, they're seeing this guy's a great shutdown guy because he's physical. And they don't really understand, you know, kind of the subtleties that actually go into being a good shutdown defenseman. And you can't just be physical and be considered a good shutdown defenseman. There's a lot of other things. So, so yeah, it's kind of a yes and no for me on Darnell Nurse. I definitely think he's got a potential to be like a, a number two guy on like a on, on a pretty competitive team, like maybe even a cup contending team. But he's not there yet. And again, it's tough to say. Analytics say one thing. People I test, you know, whatever. But yeah, the rest of their defense, I don't know what they're doing. The CC thing, the Duncan Keith acquirement, I don't understand it. Like, I, it was so – I'm not even a fan of theirs, and I was frustrated beyond measure watching them make those moves. And especially giving away Ethan Bear, I I was yeah. – that was a rough one for me. I was like, this kid, this kid's awesome. He's special. He's a good character. And I did, Duncan Keith, yeah. I did hear from Oilers fans that maybe he was looking for a change of scenery – in response to some, uh, we'll call it toxic internet culture directed his way. Mm. I call I, it racism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, here, I, <laughs> I, I, I voiced it that way and I didn't want to like just outright say it because I haven't seen those comments. Like, oh, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't remember specifically those comments. So that's not me trying to be like, you know, hey, it wasn't racism. Like, again, I don't know what those comments were. I fully believe Endo when you say that. And I really should look up those specific comments. But uh, again, I, I voiced it that way as well because I don't know for sure, like, what the legitimacy of that is. If that was a reason why Ethan Bear was looking to move on from the team. It very well could have been. Uh, I agree with Sin's point that the Oilers are worse off without him. Uh, yeah. One thing too about that situation as well, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on a little bit. Um, Edmonton does have a history of certain uh, stigma around around the indigenous people mm. uh, because Alberta has a reputation for, uh, as a, a friend of the show Crash Andrews puts it, like the second America in a way. Uh, and yeah, I think that probably would have been a reason why if he were to ask for a lead, that might be a reason why because of how everything happened and everything reacted and everything as, as well as that. I'm going to say everything like four more times, but yeah, that's, that's the way that's, that's how it is. The one thing I really didn't like uh, from the franchise was moving him after they tried to make more amends for that community and say, we're going to try to re like patch things together with the indigenous community in the area, in the Edmonton area, in the Alberta area and work together and doing some stuff. I know it's going to have a camp where it's going to be provided by the Oilers, I believe, with gear and everything for indigenous people to get used to hockey and get into hockey. And then I think a week later he was traded. Yeah, that's really rough to kind of add on to that. That's that's part of the reason I was shocked to see him go and kind of I didn't know about the the kind of rumors around him potentially asking for that trade because he was doing so much, you know, community work for indigenous people. I was like, well, I, yeah, I, I would think he wouldn't necessarily want to leave that behind. But if you get to a breaking point, then absolutely. Sometimes you want to leave if it's just, you know, if it's just pure racism. I don't know if Carolina is the best destination for you in uh, some ways, but you know, we'll have to see. Um, not to, you know, not to completely bastardize an entire fan base, just the region specific, certain things that come with it. That's just how it is. I mean, we talked about it with Alberta. 
kind of the you know Alabama slash Texas of Canada. It it yeah. really is kind of that. It's uh, same thing we know with Carolinas. They have you know sort of a reputation like that. So I hope I wish him well, and I really hope that people can stop being dick bags and be decent humans. And there's no great way to segue from the first ever usage of the word dickbag on this podcast. Sweet. Uh, the goaltending situation for the Oilers is bottom three, in my opinion, with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Like, they're both oh, meh. Like, they're not abysmal, but obviously not great. You talk about the questions on defense, and Sin mentioned, like, what the hell are they doing? I cannot believe they're still running with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. For as good as that offense is, it's almost like self-sabotage from Ken Holland. Again, they could make the playoffs. They could win the goddamn Stanley Cup this year. The conversation is essentially, you look at this team, and does that team instill you with confidence? I have to question your judgment if you can look at that defense and that goaltending and say, I am confident in this Oilers team. You are confident in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You are not confident in the rest of that team. There's no way. Yeah, and that's just what it comes down to. And I kind of, I don't have anything to add to that, but I kind of want to ask you guys the question. I know the guest asking questions, what is this? But do you guys think in the next two years, if this team continues to underperform, does Connor McDavid ask for a trade? See, that's like the Oilers thing or the uh, Flames thing, right? Where it's just like, okay, when do they pull the trigger on this? Yeah. We got Eichel. Eichel kind of broke the ice, you know, with the uh, young guy. I mean, obviously, Buffalo's in rougher shape. But if Oilers keep trending in this direction, McDavid said, help me. Just give me help. Are they helping him? Clearly not. Hey, hey, hey. Duncan, <laughs> Keith, and Cody. CC are help? Hey, Zach Hyman is help. Look yeah, at Zach that Hyman guy. is help. Yes, he, he is really. Yeah, I'm excited Damn. to see him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. He broke the icicle. Uh, we'll move on. To our next team. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Uh, we'll move on to our next team. And uh, here's where things get interesting, right? Because theoretically, you talk about a team that's finishing maybe in the top five of their division. That could mean a playoff spot. Any guess on who it is? Is it the Sharks this time or maybe the Kraken? It's, it's one of those two. Well, I know you want to complete the strikeout. <laughs> oh, damn. LA Kings. Hey, he hits a homer on an 0-2 count. I have the LA Kings in fifth, which, again, I get it. People are going to be like, you have LA over Edmonton. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Blah, 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 blah. And, again, they would have ignored everything else that we just talked about. Uh, when talking about the LA Kings, by the way, uh, the Oilers, I mean, we kind of already talked about all their moves. I didn't get into, like, super, you know, detailed, like, hey, this happened, this guy uh, happened to join the team. For the LA Kings, obviously, there's, there's been quite a bit of change. They acquired Victor Arvidsson, one of the first big moves of the offseason. That was on uh, July 1st. They brought in Alex Edler, Philip Deneau. Uh, I mean... That, that's not bad in and of itself right there. And, of course, in terms of the losses, I mean, when arguably Matt Luff is your biggest loss, that's pretty good. But I look at this offense, and it's probably still bottom three for the division in, uh, for me. Like, Anze Kopitar still Anze Kopitar. Slovenia number one. Uh, they added Victor Arvidsson and Philip Deneau, like I just said, which is fantastic for them. And then you have, like, this chunk of, like, Dustin Brown, Ayafalo, Velarde, and Athena CU who are all solid. 
But then it's like, okay, I look at Adrian Kempe and Trevor Moore and Brendan Lemieux and Austin Wagner and Carl Grundstrom. None of those guys really jump off the page of like, oh yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, they're all question marks. And then you got the younger guys still. Like, I'll still call Leah Sanderson a younger guy. Uh, Quentin Byfield, who did suffer an injury, he'll likely factor into that lineup. But again, complete unknown. Uh, and then they added this random, random dude. I had no idea he was even with the team. He's 26 years old. Winger Vladimir Kachev. Where the hell did this guy come from? Cap Friendly still has him as potentially making this team. He's not under a PTO. He's under contract. And I don't know what to expect from this guy if he makes the team, because allow me to recap his last two seasons in the KHL. Uh, 19-20 with SKA St. Petersburg, 42 points in 55 games. And last year with the same team, 38 points in 45 games. Uh, including 8 points in 11 playoff games. This is a really good KHL player who has very stealthily just snuck over here with LA. I don't know how good he's going to be. I have no idea. So I think that's kind of the question with LA, right? Like you kind of have a feeling of how good they could be offensively. At the end of the day, though, I have no idea. You could, you know, They could end up being pretty good. A lot of their big acquisitions, in my opinion, were still, they still have that mentality on their forward end of a lot of guys who are very good defensively. Like Dano, in my opinion, is is definitely a, a very good defensive center, can produce, but in my opinion, more known as kind of that two-way center. Arvidsson, I got to say, even though he was in that West, you know, he was in Nashville uh, for that time being, I don't know if he's an incredible production guy. Um, I think he's kind of that one of those guys is like in the middle six and it's like what happens with him. Um, he's had some good years. I'm sure I'm trying to pull up his numbers and my browser doesn't want to work. So that's fun. But uh, again, yeah, it's a lot. Again, there's just so many question marks there. I mean, Arvidsson is solid. Don't get me wrong. But uh, will he kind of fit into that L.A. offense where it just seems like they're doing one thing and when the NHL is trending into a direction where you kind of need to be able to do other stuff too. But yeah, I mean, Kopitar is going to be going to be fine. It's just who's going to be around him. Who's going to be his wingers. There's no more to Foley, obviously for the last couple of years. It's what, what else do they got? And it's kind of wild. I'm not too sure. We always wait to see if Endo's going to chime in, but hey. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm soaking the information in, making the analysis. Um, I, I don't know much about the Kings. I'm going to be very blatantly honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Fair enough. Uh, but I'm seeing some of the moves that they've done so far, and uh, they didn't really lose. Like you said, you didn't, they didn't lose much. Like the most basically lost like Matt Love. And there's a lot of former Leaf players on here. So usually when I don't know anything about a team, I look at the former Leaf players, and I say, huh, he was decent over here. How's he doing over there? Oh, he's doing well? Okay, good for him. And I see basically where that team kind of is. They got a lot of former guys like Trevor Moore, uh, Carl Gunstrom. I hated that we gave up more. There was just no space for him on our roster either. Uh, was that the Jake so Muzzin far, deal, though? Oh, right. The, that was in the Muzzin deal, I think. Yeah. I'm going to look that up just to make sure. But uh, that, 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 you know, that helps you uh, hate that deal a little bit less <laughs> if yeah. it was Jake Muzzin coming yeah. back in the deal. And, uh, oh, you know what? It wasn't, but it was another big trade. Uh, it was Trevor Moore. In a third-round pick in 2020 that became a guy named Alex Leferrier. Um, for Kyle Clifford 
and Jack Campbell. Campbell. Yeah, there it was. That's what it was. Yeah, okay, never mind. Um, yeah. Bye, Trevor. We don't need you. Bye, Trev. We don't need you. I appreciate your time in the Marlies. You were fun to watch. That's for sure. Undrafted. I, I believe uh, he went undrafted. But yeah. Wait, did he? Yeah, he did. Undrafted all his way up through the minor system. That is a guy, if you're looking for, for kids to bottle a play style after, and you, you don't, like, you're not going to get drafted in there, that's the guy you look at, Trevor Moore. Undersized, got a big rear, like uh, Mike Babcock liked to say. Uh, and yeah. Fair enough. I uh, did find <laughs> Arvidsson's stat line, and he did have two 61 point seasons. However, the last one he had was four years ago. So again, his last couple have just been bad. Like he had 25 points last season in 50 games played. I mean, that's not awful, but again, that's like a dude in the middle six. Is he going to jump out? I don't know if the LA Kings are a team where you kind of have a guy like that kind of recover his scoring touch. So we'll see. I mean, obviously wish him the best, but yeah, I'm not too sure. Now we alluded towards their defense there uh, when we mentioned Jake Muzzin. Honestly, I think the LA Kings defense uh, is, is okay. I think it's all right. I think it's top half, to be honest. Like you have a veteran and Alex Edler join the team. It might be a little bit concerning that he might be considered instantly one of their best defenders <laughs> alongside someone like Matt Roy. Uh, Ole Mata is still okay when he's healthy, but when is he ever healthy? Uh, and then you have like Mikey Anderson and Sean Walker and Bjorn Fott. If he slots in, like they're question marks, but they're still promised there, especially from uh, Anderson and Bjorn Fott. They're both still really young. And then there's Drew Doughty. What side of the debate do you, do you side with? The eye Who? test... Versus this, no longer a top 10 defenseman in EA NHL, Drew Doughty. There's no denying he had a better season last year, but still, like, just how good is Drew Doughty? Is he, as I've said so many times, a product of the team having been bad over the past few years? I don't know exactly what to make of that. But at the end of the day, I still... It's not so much that I like this defense. It's just that I think other defenses suck. So by yeah. default, they're decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Dowdy, all memes aside, where I completely never, ever acknowledge him. I don't know. I, I wouldn't consider him top 10 anymore, and I'm, I've, I firmly believe that he is not top 10. Um, I think, yeah, maybe he was a product of his team being bad, but then again, he was also a product of his team being good by the same logic when they were winning those cups as a, a credible, gritty, shutdown-style team. He's a guy on the defensive end of things who can put up some points, I think his shutdown ability is is the thing about him that's severely overrated. I mean, he gets he's gotten walked quite a few times. He gets snippy in interviews about it when he gets walked by like McDavid or something. He comes out talking his trash, and then he'll get just absolutely blown by. To be fair, who doesn't? But at the same time, you you're gonna talk your game and and stuff like that, and then absolutely get smoked by not just McDavid, other guys too. So it's I I think that he's uh. Going back to his Norris days, he's just one of those guys where it's just like it seems to get the benefit of the doubt more often than not, and I think he's a little bit overrated. Offensively, yeah, he's solid, but defensively, I think he's severely overrated. A, a reputation player uh, yeah. in EA NHL terms, someone who's had a legacy rating, right? Like <laughs> maintains a high rating for what they used to be. <clears throat> Carey Price. Um, Endo, any, any thoughts on this defense or shall we talk about the goaltending, which is pretty straightforward, if I'm being honest? Yeah. Um, uh, the, only, the only thing I'm going to say is add on to uh, 
what's inside Drew Doughty is absolutely he may be like a, a decent like a good defender, but he's not worth that contract and that cap hit. Hundred percent. He hasn't been playing at that for that level for a while. Um, hopefully, the team getting better. Uh, maybe he could show that he's still that guy who deserves to be uh, on that team Canada roster after uh, whining about that. Uh, but you know, who knows? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, every it's like every year. Every time. Oh, I got I got snubbed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe play better. Yeah. They're goaltending, because <laughs> I got no way to transition out of that one either. Um, probably towards the bottom half, uh, for the sole reason I think Cal Peterson's fantastic, and they agree they just rewarded him with a new deal. And and then there's Jonathan Quick, who is not what he used to be, so it kind of evens out. Cal Peterson's good, Jonathan Quick is not, so it's kind of yeah. kind of middle of the road. Yeah, how difficult have LA had it? They just get a good goalie when he starts to decline. They got another one coming up. Ah, oh, that's just unfortunate for them. I mean, that's 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 tough to do. But yeah, Cal Peterson has looked good, and that's a pretty solid transition for them. But again, they're in that transitory phase where who knows if if they they can kind of their goaltending can sort of win those games. I don't think we're gonna see Quick regain his old stature. I think that time is done. But again, they got Peterson coming up, so question mark sure. But I would consider it. Solid at the at least for them. Endo Mills, our resident goalie here. <laughs> so we got to throw to you. Yeah, uh, give it, give Garrett Sparks a shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's, the dream is alive. The dream is alive. Uh, wide five hole. Thank you. Uh, wide five hole carry. Oh, uh, not carry price. Jesus, I got I got confused. Uh, my girlfriend just brought her bubble tea. Perfect. Right, as I was saying. <laughs> Give Garrett Sparks another shot. Wide five hole Garrett is okay. It's perfectly fine. No, but in all seriousness, I don't know uh, if their goalie situation is good or bad. Uh, Jonathan Quick, he's he's aging. He's he's getting there. He's thirty five. Do you give him the? Do you give uh, Cal Peterson the keys to the yacht now, or do you give him one more year as a backup and let Carey uh, let up Carey Press let Jonathan Quick do like a last hurrah for the next like. I believe his contract ends in two years or the next one, two years. This could definitely be a situation where it's still kind of mentorship uh, with quick showing uh, Peterson the roles and everything and how to be a starting goalie in the league. And then from there, just see ya. So the LA Kings looking okay, all things considered. That brings us into the top four. I have a question for you before we go. If the Kings uh, get like sweeped in the first round or anything, get to make the playoffs, do we call it a royal failure? <laughs> ice, ice cold. <laughs> <laughs> Team number four, we have the one, the only San Jose Sharks. Wow, better than I was expecting. I was like, I was like, best. Five or six. <laughs> like, I, th I thought that was the best case scenario for that. But, okay, I want to hear your logic because I don't even know if I agree with this. I would hope for it, but this is the place where I don't want them. It's Maybe so missing hard. the playoffs, but not <laughs> bottom of the division. <laughs> and that's exactly oh, why. Because I feel like the Sharks are probably going to screw themselves over. And I, <laughs> and I feel like, in a way, it's more because just other teams, like Edmonton and Calgary are 
just wild cards, not in a literal sense, but I feel like the Sharks should be lower, but other teams are screwing it up and allowing for someone like me to look at these rosters and say, you know, San Jose might be more well-rounded. And they are. They are more well-rounded than a team like the Oilers. Uh, in terms of any additions, obviously there was the Aiden Hill acquisition from Arizona, um, James Reimer from the Carolina Hurricanes, Nick Benino, Andrew Cogliano, and some guy we'll talk about a bit so that Sin can wax poetic about Mr. William Eklund. In terms of departures, uh, I mean, Alex True to Seattle, which is fine. Uh, Coronar, of course, the Arizona, Christian Yaros, Martin Jones has left the San Jose Sharks. That's a nice smile on Sin's face for anybody watching the... <laughs> I, with that being said, Imagine I wish you the man had a confetti cannon just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> that Dude. all being said, though, mm. I do wish him the best. I really do. He's a genuinely good guy. It's just his time in San Jose was clearly over. I would have asked you on the spot to be <laughs> the new permanent third host of this show if I said Martin <laughs> Jones gone and you just set off the confetti <laughs> cannon. <laughs> oh shit! I still uh, might, to be honest, but goddamn, <laughs> just the bit. <laughs> I, I feel up, like I should just have someone stand by. I'm gonna go on Amazon right now and order. Oh, a God, we gotta edit me. that in and post for the video version. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Jones, no, you know God, what just do? get Fetty over sin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're gonna put the uh, we're gonna put the. The video of Gren winning GWC and having the, the confetti cannon on there, where he just goes, "Yay!" <laughs> just put that over top. <laughs> Oh, it's man. like the kid at the spelling bee at the, at the confetti's falling. He's just staring at the camera. Just, <laughs> just like, oh my god! <laughs> I'll catch my camera back. There. So that Mark was a Quentin Tarantino zoom right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Martin Jake Jones Moore. isn't a shark anymore. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, Curtis Gabriel, Greg Patteron, a couple other guys, Marcus Sorensen, Ryan Donato. As a Leaf fan, thank you for Curtis Gabriel. Beautiful. Yeah, I love beauty. him. I'm, I'm sad he's gone. I love him. As an individual, I've actually talked to him on Twitter. He's such a down-to-earth dude. After that meme I made for him kind of went viral, well, after he retweeted it, I had a few conversations with him. He is such – I mean, they're brief conversations, obviously, but he's such a good guy. Like, his activism aside, just he's a genuinely good guy, empathetic Nice to talk to, down to earth, and really loves what he does, and is takes every day in stride. Is very present in the moment, and that's just someone who anyone should aspire to be as a human being. Just a really cool guy, and I'm happy for you guys that he's there because he'll do his goddamn job and protect those guys, and that's what you want out of him. Hundred percent. I've actually tried to reach out to him, uh, just to talk about like stuff he does in Toronto and more about like his his aspects outside and what he's doing for different communities especially the lgbtq plus community and stuff like that because it's, it's very interesting and it's good to see a lot of players doing stuff like that and being more open and like uh, if you're if you're a fan of the show you've, you've probably heard over the last three episodes i've been saying a lot more about being open and a lot of people being able to express themselves and be able to stand for what they really truly believe and i think curtis gabriel gabriel is obviously the, the one of the biggest um examples of that in the league right now yeah definitely so shout out to one curtis gabriel and talking about uh the team itself though the offense i can't put in the bottom or i can't put in the top half of the division uh 
Yeah, Tomas Hurdle's tremendous, but there's trade rumors there, and that's mm-hmm. going to be very scary. Uh, Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, guys like Kevin LeBanc, and now Nick Benino, all solid. No problems with that at all. But from there, it, you take a step down with like Balsers and Cogliano, and then there's Matt Nieto, who's an NHL. Player. He's there. (laughs) He's there. The problem is then uh, the question marks around some of the younger guys, right? Or some of the more inexperienced guys. I mean, Jonathan Dolan, Barabanov, another former Leaf, uh, Dylan Gambrell. The big, there are two big question marks for this team. One, how good is William Eklund going to be as a rookie? And did the Sharks get uh, an absolute steal uh, with the seventh overall pick in this past draft? And then there's the elephant in the room of Evander Kane. And what happens with him? Will he play another game for the San Jose Sharks? Because, again, uh, you know, we're not going to comment on everything that's out there right now because nothing's been set in stone. What we do know for a fact is that Evander Kane led this team in goals, assists, and, of course, as a result, points last year. And that is a major, major loss to this team if he is not there. Yeah, um, that side of things, definitely. The, you know, the on-ice product, obviously, you, you said it, all the other stuff, while not set in stone, it's just something that continues to be a trend uh, next to his name is all the off-ice issues. And we, you know, first couple of years seemed okay, and then eventually it all kind of comes out again. And it's just like at some point, you know, it's you, you, you got to stop giving a guy a benefit of the doubt, and that's kind of where I am. I don't know if he'll play again. Uh, it depends on what happens. There's... Beyond that, my own personal preference, I I don't want it. I don't care about the goals and assists if it leads to the, the amount of division and and polarization that's been happening in the Sharks room for the last two years. It went from one of the best cultures and one of the places that people wanted to play to all of a sudden this thing in constant turmoil. And the second Pavelski left, essentially, it just started to spiral downward. And, you know, it's... It's rough, but yeah, some of the other stuff. Um, you mentioned a lot of guys in that bottom six, but there's the Sharks' bottom six is in such flux. There's all these younger guys as well. Peterson, Jasper Weatherby, these guys who look like they can really push for roster spots. Now, is that reflective of maybe having a poor bottom six? Probably, but also it's kind of good for the future that we've been able to sort of restock uh, to that point of getting some young blood in there. <laughs> All right, raise of hands. Who just learned that Jasper Weatherby is a player? <laughs> I'm, yep. I mean, I, I'm known for editing monsters. So did I. <laughs> I have I have no disrespect to Jasper Weatherby. I have never heard that name in my life. Yeah, but fair he enough. Kind of. Yeah, I started to hurt, hear about him in in uh, training camp, and all of a sudden you start hearing rumors. Sharks may want him as the four C. I was like, holy crap! And then you watch him, and you're like, okay, yeah, he can play. Maybe could fill that role. He's Tenacious, he's kind of what I envision Ozzy Weisblad being in a few years, but Ozzy Weisblad hopefully has a higher ceiling, but just, Mm. you know, very tenacious, plays with the energy. What else do you want if you're trying to rebuild a culture and rebuild your bottom six? Start with the basics. Energy, try hard. Now, the defense. Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> I can't help it, man. Uh. Somehow, again, it, it's not that this defense is good. It's just that other teams, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You have Burns, who's not what he used to be, but he's not abysmal. Mm-mm. Eric Carlson has a lot to prove. 
this yep. year. A lot. Mark Edward Vlasic has a lot to prove this year. Uh, correct me on the pronunciation. Uh, is it Nizhov? Nizhov, the Russian. Oh yeah, Knizhov. Knizhov. And then we also have Knyazev, uh also yes. in our system. So I, we have Knizhov and Knyazev. Yep, of course you do. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, <laughs> and then there's Redeem Shimmick, who yep. is okay. And Mario Ferraro's not there yet, but he's someone who can get better, and I think he probably will. I think he's likely uh, to do that. Future captain, also. So it's <laughs> hey, fair fair shout. It's it's a rough scene defensively, um, yeah. as you know. Sin, I don't have to explain to you as a Sharks fan. Yeah, um, you have Eric Carlson who needs to start producing or you're looking at it. Well, I mean, it's already people are already looking at it as like kind of that dowdy contract situation, but he's got the higher offensive upside. He needs to show it plain and simple. Uh, he's had those flashes, but he's also, I, we talked about it last time I was here, the reconstructed ankle, how biomechanically he can't move the same way that he once did. He has to either adjust or falter. Uh, he continues to get beat wide on the rush. Not good. He has had those flashes when he has the puck on the blue line, especially last year where he's doing those crazy deeks and freeing up space. And now he just needs people to finish. So the question is, can Timo Meyer make a comeback? Can LeBanc earn his contract? Though that's what it is with the Sharks. It's like, yeah, we could make the playoffs. Here's what needs to happen. Multiple players, three to five players have to bounce back. That's not a great place to be in to look to compete. Like, oh, this needs to happen. All these things need to fall in place. You want those pieces in place, and they're simply not there for the Sharks. And to turn it over to Endo here, I'll mention the goaltending first, and obviously, Sim, will get your thoughts on this. I have this tandem as a top-half tandem, at the very least. James Reimer and Aiden Hill. Uh, Reimer's solid, Hill's okay at the worst, and Sin, as much as this is going to pain you to hear, but you know the reality of the situation, uh, this is the best goaltending situation the Sharks have had in a long time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even, I would if it works out, I would even say it could be um, even better than Niemi Nidimaki uh, back then, I mean, when we were still making the playoffs consistently. Um, but yeah, it's... I want to see what Hill can do. The short sample size with Arizona, very good. However, Arizona has a track record of making goalies look a lot better than they necessarily are. Yeah. Shout out to Brizgalov. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll we'll have to kind of see. Uh, I'm excited to see what Aiden Hill can bring. He's still young. He's, he's at that time in a goaltender career where it's like, here's where they explode and here's where they start to kind of cement themselves as a goaltender, as a good goaltender. Endo, your thoughts on former Toronto Maple Leaf James Reimer. That just continues to be a theme throughout the episode, huh? That's the thing I love about Toronto is we build so many people just to go everywhere else. That just means our farm system is just very, very good. Yeah. All you're what you're the Oakland Athletics of the NHL. Congrats. <laughs> Shout out to our boy Cole Irvin. Uh, <laughs> starting Irvin. pitcher. Swerving <laughs> Irvin 19 on youtube <laughs> uh anyways as i was saying i think this this tandem could be good i i think this is a uh the part where aiden hill gets more playing time and gets to solidify himself as a possible maybe possible starter uh reimer is getting a little bit there in age he's good for a relief guy to, to, to hang off of uh, but yeah. i think this tandem could be really really well 
and it could definitely start a possible good career uh, as a starter for Aiden Hill. Yeah, it's again one of those situations that we're now we're going to see. Okay. I mean, obviously, Martin Jones is sort of bad, but it's like, was it all on him? How bad was the Sharks' defense? We're going to see that now. And how good was, you know, Martin Jones' 2016 run? Was that a product of when the Sharks had a great defense and a great defensive system? All those questions are going to be answered for better or for worse this season. So I'm excited either way. And for Aiden Hill, uh, how happy is he to be out of Arizona? Like, San Jose might not be that much better of a situation in some regards, but whew. Gets to avoid the Coyotes for this year. The 17,000 draft pick Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) Yeah, I was shocked when I opened up my stream last night when we chose the Coyotes. Just like the amount of firsts and seconds they have next year. It's eight total picks, I think, in the first two rounds. I think it's two. Is it three first or two first now? Because last I know it was two first and five seconds, but it might be three first and five seconds. I literally, I might have acquired one. Yeah, I can't remember. It's three first and five seconds. (laughs) They have their own Colorados and Montreals, and then five second round picks their own. The Islanders, Flyers, Sharks, and Canucks. They also have three second round picks already in 2024. Uh (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Well, we get to talk about the man of the hour for the Sharks before we move on? Feel free. Okay. William Eklund. Um, First of all, I definitely think he has the potential to be the steal of the draft. I was surprised when he fell out of the top three, much less the top five. I'm surprised Detroit didn't take him. I thought for sure. Swedish guy. It's Iserman. It's Detroit. Like, they got to take William Eklund. Mm -hmm. They don't. And he falls to us. And so his growth and development across training camp has been something I haven't seen before. Because, well, it's been a while since we had a prospect like this. First time in the little rookie scrimmage we had, I'm like, yeah, one or two years, this guy's going to be good. He didn't really show me anything great. Next time I see him, wow, he's better. Looks like he's adjusted to the ice. All of a sudden, preseason hits, five assists in four games. He's almost seemingly running the power play. He's making deceptive passes. I haven't seen a player develop that quickly over that short amount of time. He's 100% going to get the nine or eight game trial, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Uh then they'll reassess from there, but they're going to send him back to Sweden, if anything. I would like to play it. Like, part of me is like, yeah, play him AHL to get him you know, more acclimated to the smaller ice, but then you burn a year of that entry level. And the Sharks aren't a team who can be affording to burn a year of an entry-level contract right now. So, yeah, um, I, I want to see, but he's making the team out of camp. That's the the, the thing went from even, even all the pundits. They're like, yeah, Eklund not touching the NHL this season, maybe next year, to all of a sudden – this kid is making the team out of camp, and that is something that, as a Sharks fan, kind of like Minnesota with Kaprizov, we haven't had a player like this to get excited about in a very long time. Is it who like, actually pans out? I was gonna say it's like <laughs> Timo uh, Timo Meyer or Tomas Hurdle, right? Kinda. Like um, Hurdle is the last guy. Timo, maybe, but then you he's kind of not really you know, hit that, or he seemed to seemingly kind of plateaued instead of continuing up the mountain. And then when you realize you could have had Miko Rontanen, uh, it looks a bit grim. Fair enough. So we have the Sharks, or at least I have the Sharks in fourth. We'll move on to the top three. And, um, boy, it's, it's going to get more interesting here. It's going to get more interesting in third. Please say Seattle. The Vancouver Canucks. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> the top two teams are the, are the expansion teams. This is rigged. 
God damn it, Batman. <sighs> I'm doing Gary a favor here. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Gary. It's um, Gary wallet. The, the, the wallet's a little bit heavier right now, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, for Vancouver, again, we'll talk about the moves that were made. Uh, I mean, my God, they acquired Jason Dickinson, Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland. Uh, they have a bunch of other moves. Yaroslav Halak, Tucker Pullman. That was a move to get Tucker Pullman. Um, yeah. And in terms of departures, uh, Cole into Seattle, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, <coughs> Jake Furtanen, uh, Braden Holpe's gone, Alex Edler's gone, Sven Berchke's gone, Braden Holpe, Nate Schmidt, Travis Boyd. <laughs> Everyone's gone. My goodness. Now, in talking about this team... <laughs> <laughs> we didn't start the fire part two. Um, two good aspects to this team and a horrible aspect, and you can figure out what those are. Uh, talking about the offense, I have it a, a mid-table type of offense, you know, around like a four-ish spot out of the eight. Uh, Pedersen, Besser, Garland's all great. Man, even Nils Hoaglander looked really good last year. I don't know if he's like super far up there, upper echelon, but he looked really good. JT Miller. Bo Horvat, again, still more great names there. Uh, Jason Dickinson's okay, and we'll see how he does outside of Dallas. It gets to be a bit hit or miss with, like, Tanner Pearson, Brandon Sutter, Tyler Mott, Zach McEwen. Uh, you could also maybe throw guys like De Giuseppe, Dowling, and Highmore in there. I don't really know how their bottom six is going to shape out. And then they have themselves an X-Factor here. This player has, uh, I feel like, completely gone under the radar. Everyone's busy, of course, talking about what Kaprizov did last year. Everyone's talking about Trevor Zegras and Cole Caulfield. Pold Colson is with this team right now. And everyone said, man, this kid could probably jump to the NHL when he was drafted. But he slips down the board a little bit because, of course, it's, well, he can't come over, you know, for a little bit. And now here it is. He's 20 years old. And I don't know how good this guy's going to be. But he is a former 10th uh, overall pick. And it's one of those guys where you look at it, it's like, okay, he's 20. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. He's been playing in the KHL. He had 11 points last year in uh, 35 games in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, he had 11 points in 16 games as a 19-year-old, I believe, at the time. Yeah. Very underrated that he's on this Canucks roster still to this point. And... Man, if he if he takes off, that's that really helps out that offense. I can't factor that in to how I think their offense looks right now, but that's the point. It already looks okay. And then what's a Pold Colson gonna you know, what's he gonna provide? I like him a lot. Um I know a lot of Canucks fans disappointed they didn't grab Cole Caulfield. They're like, Well, we want more offense. Um I still feel like Pud Colson was a good pick for them. I mean, we can get in, we'll argue in a few years whether, or we'll see in a few years if in, between him and Caulfield, who was mm. the arguable better selection. But they had Brock Besser at the time, who was coming off of like mm -hmm. kind of a breakout year as a goal scorer. Did you want to acquire another pure goal scorer? You got a winger who has now well, officially has a big body. He plays a pretty solid two way game. Like you said, didn't put up a crazy amount of points in the KHL, but again, 19 years old, still put up 11. And in the playoffs, put up another 11 in a shorter amount of time. It's, again, another one of those guys who continues looking like he's on a development track that is right in line with where the Vancouver Canucks are kind of trending. And you got you need guys to play both sides of the pucks, and you need guys to get into the corners. Pedersen, 
not really going to get into the corners. Uh, we saw what happened against Matheson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Besser, you want him taking shots. You don't necessarily want him forch. I think Pud Colson is a guy who's going to do that gritty stuff. The other stuff, like kind of the Dennis Rodman to the Jordan Pippen, if we want to make that reference. I, I think that's I think that's fair. And Endo, I'll, I'll let you speak on this here in a second. But like, think about like the different types of players. How different Pedersen is from Besser. And then there's Garland, Hoaglander, Miller, Horvat, and then what Pold Colson will probably provide. That is, in theory, a very difficult team to play against because they mm-hmm. can throw so many different styles at you. I really like how this offense is starting to look for Vancouver. Yeah, and now that you've now that we kind of had that conversation, I'm I'm a little more favorable to actually putting them in that playoff position. I mean, last year we could argue the expectations were way too high for them, oh. and they fell flat, but maybe this year. Yeah, I'm definitely looking right now at uh, uh, Puck Colson's uh, stats uh, for, for how he played last year in the KHL. At first, when you guys said he played the KHL, because he, he played for SKA, and I thought he was probably like a byproduct of that team, because that team is always strong, always dynamic and everything. But then when, you, when I saw he played playoffs in 16 games, like 11 points, like basically matching his like season performance in like half the time, I kind of went, oh, okay. And then I looked up some of his um, some of the things they've said about him that he's like he can just pull throws to the fence and somebody doing that. I think that team needs like a, just one guy dedicated just to attack, not necessarily be like uh, an enforcer, but they need like a power forward kind of guy. They need a guy to just be able to get into the corners, get the nitty gritty, so that way all the guys who are basically the, the finishers. So you have the guy, you have the setup guy, you have the guy who works in the corner, and you have the finisher. They basically need a reaver. If uh, for people who watch uh, <laughs> uh, Tugi's uh, streams when we play NHL, we need a guy who just sits in the front, gets it in PTA, work on it, and just yeah. get right in. Yeah, uh, PTA baby, park that ass. We get to the negative side of the Vancouver Canucks. Surprise, surprise, it's the defense, right? I mean, this is obvious. Quinn Hughes is the best defender on this team, best all-around defenseman on this team. I mean, he's good, but he's not at the level he'll likely hit in the future. So to me, that makes that a scary statement to say that Quinn Hughes is already the best defender on this team. And then there's someone like Ole Levy, who i got to be honest, might be the second guy I would take off of that defense after Quinn Hughes. And yeah. then maybe even I I might take Luke Shen third out of those blue liners, who's only probably going to play if Travis Hamannick is inactive. Because Holy you crap, want... Luke Shen is still around. I didn't oh, he know. is? <laughs> yeah. He's only 31. He's only oh 31. <laughs> Tyler Myers, Oliver ekman Larson, Tucker Pullman. Getting paid what they are, that is a disaster for this team. I feel better. Maybe <laughs> maybe they turn it around. Maybe they don't, man. But so much money tied up in this defense. Yeah. I They're banking a lot on OEL, especially when, like, Beagle, Roussel, yeah. and Erickson, like, I get the idea of you have to get rid of them to make the Pedersen deal work, to make the Quinn Hughes deal work. You did what you had to do. But, man, you already had that boat anchor of a Myers deal, and now you have Oliver ekman Larson, where you're like, please be good, yeah. please. That's that's just so much to bank on. It's almost it's, Oilers-esque, right? Yeah, and it's 
terrible cap management. I can't believe it. You traded three guys with on expiring contracts to free up space, took back a guy who's a big question mark with term on a pretty hefty contract. That simply comes down to you to piss poor contract management leading up to keeping these two guys who you knew were going to be franchise cornerstones for three years. It's it's bizarre, but yeah, like you said, had to be done. It just sucks that they put themselves in that position. There's another case of like we talked about earlier. Here's a Canadian team. Let's we're making the right steps here. Let's set ourselves back for no fucking reason whatsoever. And then now we got to deal with the consequences of our actions. And yeah, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can make the strides because, you know, that Canucks deserve it. Let's be real. Canucks kind of deserve it after all the BS they've gone through. So uh, welcome the uh, Vancouver Canucks to uh, Cap Hell <laughs> as a Leaf guy because I'm just looking at this right now and it's they're basically banking on the guys they have right now in the IR and the LTIR just to not come back just just yeah. wait the year off uh, we'll figure it out later well it's it's a weird year for them because they have to re-sign so many like key players and I think just they they've definitely got themselves into a little bit of a mess which I hope they can figure out. And yeah, you do have confirmation that uh, you mentioned the the LTIR. Like we do have confirmation, for example, that Michael Furlan, you know, he's he's done due to concussion issues, which right. sucks. I mean, it's a guy who's only yeah, twenty nine years old. Yeah, that's um, heartbreaking. It's it's a very weird cap situation for the Canucks, and it brings us to the goaltending, though. Again, I don't mind the offense. I think the defense is horrid, but I think the goaltending is really good. Like I'm. I'm on board with Thatcher Demko. I think he's great. And Yaroslav Halak, he might not have been at his peak last year for the Bruins, but I still think he's going to be one of the better backups probably in the league, certainly in the division. Uh, And it's for that reason that I look at this Vancouver team, and on paper, again, it's just on paper, I have them ahead of teams like Edmonton and like Calgary because a solid offense, pretty damn good goaltending, can help them overcome those defensive shortcomings in, in theory. Oh, good for you! I think Halak is definitely one of the more underrated backups and doesn't get enough love. (laughs) I have to interrupt, I just had a stream alert go off. So this is going to be just a random Christian Bale. Oh, good for you. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, delightful. Hold on. Let me... Let me load up uh, the old program here. Let's see who gets that special shout-out. Please let this name... Be great for following in the middle of a podcast, Jack Blaze 20. Let's <laughs> Thank go. You. You're now infamous. This this episode oh title God. is now Jack Blaze 20. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Sorry, Endo, but Royal Ooh. Failure just got topped. <laughs> it was close. Um, yeah. He was so close to being Jack Blaze 420. I can't believe he didn't just put that forward. Never in there, mind, man. Jack. You lost at the title Royal <laughs> Failure again. <laughs> Let's go. Anything else to add, boys, about the Vancouver Canucks? I don't think so. Yeah, this uh, the the tandem they have right there, Demko and Halak, solid. Yeah, it's good, uh, especially because uh, I I feel like they're going to be calling up uh, if they if they they might have uh, what was I going to say? If Pietro goes down, you have Michael DiPietro to call up, or Spencer Martin. You have guys over there to call up, or Seelovs. Seelovs. DiPietro is twenty two, twenty three now. Twenty two. Yeah, 22. I can't believe it. It was two years ago they got put into a game, and the Sharks just lit him up. I felt so bad for the kid, man. Oh, I felt so bad for him. It was very very Malcolm Subban-esque. The Bruins did that to Malcolm Subban, I think against the Blues. 
Um, they, I th God, what was it? Was it that they pulled him, brought in Rask, and then at the start of the third period, they sent Subban back out there because they're like, Tuka needs a goddamn break, man. Get back out there. <laughs> like, there was some rough times for Malcolm Subban and his development with yeah. the Bruins. And, uh, yeah, I got some DiPietro vibes from that. Yeah. We get to the top two. I have had some hot takes. On paper, the second best team in the Pacific Division, your Vegas Golden Seattle. Knights. What? No, no, no. That's that. That's a joke. Please. I'm, do I'm done. I please. <laughs> they, I, it's it's clear Vegas is first. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll hear. I'll, I'll hear the reasoning because I, I'm all for Vegas <sighs> getting bitch slapped, but I wanted I want to see if it's an open palm or what. <laughs> <laughs> Endo's gone. Uh, it's just me and you, as it should be. Uh, as, as it may be. Oh, he's been... elaborate on that. What the hell? <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll wait for Endo to uh, to sit back down here, baby. Fine. There we go. Okay. Endo. Endo's back in his chair. Beautiful. Fine. Okay. How, how deep are you in Batman's wallet right now? Holy, this is ridiculous. So the Vegas Golden Knights. In terms of additions, I mean, obviously there were certain changes. Brett Howden, Nolan Patrick brought in. Uh, team legend Mikhail Hakkarainen, who immediately departed. They also brought in Evgeny Dadnoff, Laurent Brassois, uh, and Sven Berchke, I think, is under... No, he's, he is actually under contract. He's not under PTO. Departing the team, uh, Sharks legend Nick DeSimone. Uh, they also <laughs> let go of Cody Glass, Mark andre Fleury, Nick Holden, Tomasz Nosek. Uh <sighs> Got Ryan Reeves. Like they, they lost some people. Oh, and uh, underrated Reed Duke is no longer officially under contract with the Knights, although he is still with their AHL club in Henderson, the original oh, Golden Knights. Their offense for me is the second best in the league or the division. Are you gonna just ignore the other person they lost? Or are you saving that? Why don't you do the honors then? Go ahead. I mean they they, they let they let Mark Andre Fleury go. I said Mark Andre Fleury. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you did. He oh, said geez. it like All right, well, quick though. I did. I didn't make much pop out of it thing. because I figured. Yeah. You know, okay. I just. I thought you would because that was. I was just trying to brush I, over like ah, Mark Andre Fleury's gone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, my bad. That's okay. So their offense second best behind Edmonton, right? That's fair. Yeah. Um, Pacioretty, Stone, Carlson, Marchessault, so even like Chandler Stevenson. Uh, like you talk about those being the top five. That's pretty damn good. That's tough for teams to match. Like, only Edmonton, I think, can really match it. Um, you know, uh, Dadnoff, Nick Roy, Nick Wah, whatever it is, solid. The the thing that hurts them for me is that Alex Tuck is hurt. Um, mm. And Riley Smith has kind of fallen off a little bit over the past couple of years. The problem for me is that their depth, it's it's Yanmark, it's Nolan Patrick, William, Car uh, William Carrier, and Keegan Colasar. It, you know, it's a bit of a top-heavy team, and it does it does worry me. I'll mention everything about the team here, and we can discuss them as a whole. Defensively, I think they have probably the second-best defense core in the division. Shea Theodore is one of the best defensemen in the league. Still can't believe. I think it was Anaheim gave them yeah. Theodore to be like, don't take this guy in the expansion draft. Underrated dumb move to help build the Vegas Golden Knights. Petrangelo is obviously still very good. Zach Whitecloud, of all people, I think is underrated for how good he is in his role. That leaves like Martinez and Haig, who are solid, and then Braden McNabb, who's fine. The goaltending, 
is where they took the hit for me. Robin Leonard is great. I do feel as though Laurent Brassois is a little bit of a question mark. And that yeah. that hurts them for me a little bit. I think, you know, would it have been possible financially? Probably not. But the idea of losing Marc-Andre Fleury, that's a big, big impact on this team. And Brassois is the backup. He's really, he's weird, right? He's weird. Last year in Winnipeg, a 918. The year before that, an 895. The year before that, a 925. The year before that, an 883. I just, uh, that that's an impact for me. That is an impact for me as to why I look at this Vegas team and I'm like, obviously, like, if Vegas wins this division, that's going to be the popular choice. I don't blame anybody for that choice. I'm just saying there there's some questions. There's some questions here. Your thoughts, Bush? I yeah, d- definitely a lot of questions. And if uh, the pattern holds true, Laurent Brassois is going to be absolute dog crap this year. So yeah, right? uh, <laughs> it's 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 the odd year or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. That being said, Laner, I I I know Laner's solid. I've never. I think he's again one of those that's just been extremely inconsistent. They gave him again kind of a heftier contract, a little too prematurely. I think. I mean, it's you know how they acquired him, but essentially, I. I'll have to see. I'll have to see about about Robin Lehner and what he's going to bring to the table. I don't think he's a Marc-Andre Fleury, and that's pretty big for Vegas because there's a lot of times in the playoffs especially where Marc-Andre Fleury straight up stole them games. And when scoring was your biggest issue in the playoffs last season, when it got down to the wire, they didn't improve that enough, and they didn't do it to the point where that you need in the playoffs where we always hear you want a strong back end, and but you got to build from the middle on your forward end. They don't have top a top center, really. I, who's their top center? I mean, they have great wingers. Mark Stone, Pacioretty, even even Dodonoff. Mm-hmm. The middle. What the hell? I mean, yeah. I mean, William Carlson had a 40-goal year. Jack Gratz. Eichel. What's he doing? <laughs> Stop, please. We, we... <laughs> I mean, right now, their center depth on cap friendly is listed as Stevenson, Carlson, Patrick, and Wah. They're, Patrick the name... Stephon. The, yeah, the name Nolan value Patrick. is not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, God. Endo, your your take here on Vegas. I mean, again, I, I know it's incredibly controversial. And I'm not I promise I'm not doing it just to troll. I look at numbers and see, okay, this is this is what makes sense. And man, the results can surprise sometimes. But yeah, Vegas. Your thoughts. Yeah, so I'm looking at the gold thing situation and they're kind of stuck. Uh, if um, I say this? Uh, if Leonard doesn't do well, or if Russ Wall doesn't do well either, uh, they're kind of stuck. Those are the two guys they have to ride off of. And I have a trade proposal that they could possibly do. They could grab a guy like Michael Hutchinson from the Leafs, who was a he, he's a decent goalie. He did well when he was over with Colorado for the brief time, moment of time, and everyone realized how decent of a goaltender he was when he played but then again that's Colorado you could put you could they put an ECHLer in net with Colorado and he ended up being like they're basically backup in the season like Fransu like that that's ridiculous in my, in my opinion but I think that they could possibly make it work with a deal maybe like a third or a fourth round or whatever or god knows uh my favorite player in the league future considerations for uh you know Mike Hutchinson 
that could help them out in the long run with if they have any issues with goaltending. Uh, it's a yeah. cheap fix. He's basically playing for almost league minimum, I believe. So I think it could be a good fit if anything goes wrong. Absolutely. So that brings us to the team that um, shockingly ended up at the top of my list. The Seattle Kraken. Now. No. Allow me to elaborate here. Their offense, it's it's inconclusive. Their offense could be, right now, anywhere. And I don't need to sit here and talk about who they got. Like, it's the Seattle Kraken. You know the changes to their roster because it's, it's the team. The, the big issue right now is that Yanni Gord is hurt. Without Yanni Gord, this offense is in trouble. With Yanni Gord, it's not bad. It's not the best, but it, it's middle of the table here for me. Like Jordan Eberle, Jared McCann, sorry, Endo, Leafs legend, um, great players. Uh, granted, Jared McCann maybe doesn't have the track, the, the track record, the history. But Yanni Gord not being there, it's just such a you know, gigantic loss. But the rest of the team, Schwartz, Yarncroke, Donskoy, Tanev, Appleton are all okay to solid. You know, it only really gets concerning when you're talking about Marcus Johansson, Wenberg, Donato, Geeky, Shane. You know, maybe those are too many names to say it's concerning. But again, this offense, it's not abysmal. When Gord's healthy, it's not amazing either. Here, Here's where Seattle makes up ground. I think they have the best defense core in the division. I really like Mark Giordano, Jamie Alexiak, and Adam Larson. I, I like Vince yeah. Dunn. Susie and Hayden Fleury are solid as well. Like, I don't think there's a bat. Again, with these rankings, it might not be so much about who's actually good. Like in the Atlantic, with Tampa, Boston, Toronto. Like, Jesus. In this division, it's more so who are the teams that should be really good but are screwing it up for themselves. That's why Seattle's here. Because they do not have a, a defenseman I'm overly concerned about. They don't have a polarizing player like a Drew Doughty or a Darnell Nurse. They don't have someone who is outright tragic. No disrespect. I'm sure he's a great guy like Erica Branson. Seattle, in terms of like this defensive ranking, they move up by default. They didn't even have to do anything. And it just so happens it's, it's good. And it's the same thing with the goaltending. Like if it was Chris Drieger and Joey Decord, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be this high. But Can't signing Philip Grubauer to go with Drieger, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the best goaltending tandem in the division. It is. Yeah. And that's why, right? Like I have that defense and that goaltending really boosting up this particular team, even if the offense is a little bit concerning. That's why Seattle's here, and you can thank Edmonton. You can thank Vancouver for saying, we already have Myers, let's go out and get OEL and Tucker Pullman. They're here because of other teams' shortcomings. They're not bad in and of themselves, but man, the shortcomings of the other teams make them look that much better. Yeah, it's just how the Pacific Division is shaping out, where it's just like, oh, there's so much crap here. It's essentially a cesspool, where it's like, you get a team in there with a fresh start again, Yeah, you never know what can happen, and... You know, obviously with the recency bias of Vegas doing what they did in their first year, I personally had them slotted in, I'll always keep saying this, as a wildcard team, maybe even third playoff spot. They definitely exceeded expectations, but mm. 
the people who looked at that roster and said this is going to be terrible were, were kind of crazy. Same thing with this. I think, you know, Seattle, especially with how the Pacific is, is going to be that wild card or three spot. I think the questions on their offense are too much. I think when they, you know, they got a guy like Ryan Donato, who everyone got excited about when he's scoring goals in preseason. I'm like, yeah, just wait until he has a 26-game scoreless drought, okay? Uh Which we went through (laughs) when we had him. I mean, again, Don Skoy can be great in the right situation. Has one of the biggest goals. uh, I'd say the biggest goal in Sharks history. Stanley Cup overtime game winner. Did great with McKinnon. Of course he did. Can he be a guy that Seattle can rely on? I think... The offense is going to be what drags them down, but then you said it. How many other good offenses are in the Pacific besides McDavid and Drysaddle? We're not even going to say the Oilers. We're going to say McDavid Drysaddle. How many other good offenses are here? And when you have a defensive core that's as good as they are, when you have a goalie tandem that's as good as they are, I can see the argument. I I still think they're going to have to put up some goals because the Anaheim Ducks model of relying on a you know goaltender to steal games mm. constantly doesn't exactly work, but. You know, maybe they do have enough flexibility. Maybe it does turn out, hey, these guys should have been getting more ice time like we saw with Vegas. Again, they were on different teams. Grubauer had a 9-23 in 40 games last year. Dreger had a 9-27 in 23 games for the Panthers. <sighs> Can they keep up those type of numbers when they're, again, obviously Colorado's offense, Florida's offense, better than this. How much better is Colorado or was Colorado or Florida's defense on paper last year? than what this Kraken defense is. I mean, especially with Florida missing Aaron Ekblad. How much better were those two defenses last year compared to this Kraken defense? I, that's why I think it's it's repeatable for this goaltending tandem. And I do put a lot of stock in the goaltending because why would I not? Like, yeah. I know a lot of people might say you put too much stock into it, but man, we have seen certain teams. How much further could you go if you just had a goalie? How much further could the Edmonton Oilers go if they just had a goalie. Yeah. How much further could Toronto go if a lot of things were different? Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, I know it's a hot take. I know people are going to say it's me being sensational for the sake of being sensational, but I'm just saying there is there is some logic there, and I'm glad that some people will be able to see the logic. I am not saying that I am betting on these being like the, the standings and how it actually plays out, though. Fair. Yeah, very fair. Now that you break it down like this, I definitely see why they could be like a top team. I, I hate that they're first, uh, especially because of the newest team. I think the one crazy thing about this is if Yanni Gord is out for a while, uh, they could possibly even just go and buy a guy because they have 8 million cap space right now. Mm. A team this good with that amount of cap space is scary. If I'm, if I'm any other team in this division, if not the rest of the it's nuts how much cap space they have and what the good quality is. Hats off to um, to the team, for uh, to the management over there for building this team. It is looking good on paper. I agree yeah. that they could have done better. I think everyone says that. Mm-hmm. But for what they have ended up with, it's not that bad. It's not. Um, Yanni Gord uh, is, at least according to an article from this past July, scheduled to miss the first two months of the season. Um, honestly, with this specific division, for example, you talk again about the Atlantic. If the Bruins, if the Lightning, if the Leafs miss a major player for two months, that's that's bad news. Yeah. For the yeah. Pacific division, I think you can recover from that. That's not a death sentence to miss the playoffs. 
No, definitely not. Not with the way it's just in turmoil and so many teams are bad. Uh, the California gauntlet is well and truly done. What even is the gauntlet anymore in the Pacific? You got a good team who's pretty much guaranteed to be a playoff team. I can't say that about any other division. I can't remember the last time I could say that about any division where it's like you have one team that you could say is making the playoffs in any division, really, that they go into. That's Vegas. Every other team right there, yeah. up in the air. <laughs> I do agree. Boys, with that, I think our preview is done here. I think we are just about ready to wrap things up for today as well. Fun show. Very that was great. That was, a, yeah. that was a lot of fun. It even feel like, wow, it's been almost, it's been like two hours. Jeez. <laughs> it just flew by. I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, a big yeah. thank you to one Mr. Sin for the win for joining us today. Again, YouTube, Twitch, all that fun stuff. Uh, might not be the last time he joins us on the show here, though. Who knows? Nah, definitely won't be. I'll, I'll, bar I'll barge my way on. I'll invite myself. It don't matter. I'll show up in the middle of one you're doing with someone else and be like, hey, <laughs> remember me? So who knows what <laughs> the future me. might bring. I am the captain now. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mario Ferraro showing up to the Sharks locker room. Oh, God, he is good. He's, he's a beauty just all around. Yeah, he might not he might not become a great defenseman, but he'll be good enough, and he's the goddamn future captain. Anyway, you shouldn't have said that name. I'm going to go off again. We better hurry up and wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, again, the NHL season starts this upcoming week. This is our second-to-last show uh, before the start of the season. Technically, our next show is on Tuesday. That night uh, will be the beginning of the season. Pittsburgh, Tampa, Seattle, and Vegas kicking off the season on, uh, obviously, Sportsnet in Canada, but on ESPN here in the States. I cannot wait for those particular games. Who knows? Maybe we'll push the next show back to Wednesday so we can talk about those first two games. I'll let you guys know on, on Twitter and such. because It depends on how much news comes out throughout the weekend um, to discuss. But we will be back next week. Endo and I here at the very least will work on contract negotiations with Sim. We'll see what happens. Uh, but again, a, a big thank you, everybody, uh, for listening and sticking with the show here through the change again we would be remiss if we did not mention that this show has a sponsor. Now, it's normally Endo. Sin, this is the real test. This is the real oh, test. Man. Let's hear it. Let's hear your pitch for being the, the third member of this show. The pitch for being the third member of the show. Garden hedges keeping you down. Got a bit too much itch down there. Try Manscaped. Go Toogie is at 24. Who the fuck cares? You get some <laughs> off. There's a code involved. Uh, use For code. all of your male scaping needs, try Manscaped. Use promo code Toogie for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. It's spooky season. It's there around the corner. Uh, maybe you got to you gotta clean up some crops. Maybe you got to do whatever you got to do. Scare maybe your you wanna, partner you with your costumes and not your, <laughs> not your grooming standard. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe you want to try something out, do style it a little bit different. It's, it's festival. You gotta you gotta change it up. Have it styled like a cobweb. I don't know. God, clean up. There's a maze Dance joke to be made there. Go searching <laughs> through an actual maze instead of having your partner actually have to search through your maze. Manscape.com. Code two. Beautiful. Twenty percent off. Everybody, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. 
It, go go sharks in the Pacific. That's right. Go sharks. That's yeah, some... murky waters are now clear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>